Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. My name is Gordon Vanderleek, and I'm here with my co-host Jenna Carvello. Hello, everyone. We are on a mission to simplify the world of estate administration and are so happy you're here listening or watching us or whatever you're doing today. Um, today's episode is a good one. It's on executor compensation, what is appropriate, um, when someone should charge, and ensuring that your executors uh, are getting what, what's fair. Um, because often they're expected to do it for free. And, and I think uh, I think the whole world of estate administration and acting as an executor is a huge job and they should be comp- compensated fairly. Um, so, yes, Gord, I, I know you have some passionate comments about uh, about executor compensation. Maybe you can provide an overview of of the sure. rules and, and uh, regulations in Alberta for in terms of this topic. Yeah, and, and I guess by way of introductory uh, remarks, um, I agree with you, or I guess I would layer on what you said is is compensation um, is kind of a touchy subject, right? And it's it can be a lightning rod topic within a family, because the expectation, if it you know if the scenario is, you know, you're dealing with the estate of a parent. Well, parents their whole lives are doing things for the kid and now you're charging like this is like you should be just doing it because, well, mom and dad wanted you to do it or something. Right. So it's interesting, this area of taking compensation for what is a significant role and a serious responsibility coupled with liability deserves compensation, but is always can be perceived in a negative way. Right. Yeah. Um, Or people feel a little squirmy about well, should I be taking compensation? How much? And how's this going to be perceived? So it's an interesting topic because it's wrapped up with a whole pile of emotion, it seems to me. Um, and yeah, so let's start with kind of the, you know, a, a, a few basics in terms of Alberta law. And obviously our comments um, are limited to the situation in Alberta. It's going to be different in each province or in different countries with regard to what executors would would be entitled for compensation. But we can start with the premise is that the expectation is that the executor doesn't have to do it for free. They may elect not to charge. Um, I always say, even if you're not going to charge, just keep track of your expenses, like your mileage, or you know, you went for parking, paid for parking, or uh, you, there were some out-of-pocket expenses. So at a minimum, you should get that reimbursed. Um, that's usually not a contentious item. But the question is, what about your time and effort? Are, you know, can you be compensated for that? So we do have a set of guidelines. Uh, in the uh, in the surrogate rules, and that's a bunch of rules that that govern the whole probate process and 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 the situation. The rules are applicable when somebody is serving in the role as the representative of the estate, the legal representative who's making decisions and carrying out the the instructions in the person's last will or pursuant to the rules of intestacy if there if there was uh, no will. So we do have um, kind of formulas that we look to they've been around for certainly a number of years um and and are a factor to look at in terms of guidelines and uh the way it's structured in the um in in the in the surrogate rules is that you take a look at the money coming in and the money going out plus care and management and then there's percentages that will be applicable for each of those kind of a high and low range um and 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 use you know, you might take a look at that. Now, let's just acknowledge that if we're talking about a professional executor, which is what we talked about in the last episode, there is invariably a pre-existing compensation agreement, which, which would have its own set of 
uh, criteria, typically on a percentage of the value of the estate. Um, and then as the estate gets bigger, the percentage goes down. And I, I think the reason for that, and one of the factors that is laid out in the in the surrogate rule certainly is the complexity of the estate or the overall size of the estate. So if you're managing a $100,000 estate versus a million dollar estate versus a $10 million estate, the levels of compensation will be different. Uh, because of the increased responsibility, the the personal liability of getting something wrong is is a bigger is a bigger factor. So certainly historically, um, taking into account the size of the estate will have an impact on overall compensation. If there's more money coming in and out of the um, uh, of the estate, uh, that all is what the executor has to touch and deal with, and and they're entitled to a percentage of compensation uh, for that. I, I think in terms of other factors the courts will look at, uh, certainly would be the amount of time that is that is put in. Uh, sometimes the size of the estate is not commensurate with the actual amount of work that's involved. You could have a very small estate that is very complex and has litigation and all the rest of it. So taking a look at the number of hours would also be an important factor in addition to say, well, what do the guideline rates state? and you know what might a trust company charge as 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 a as a benchmark uh, for evaluating what is fair and reasonable? But ultimately, the courts are going to sort of get something that passes the smell test, if you will. What's what's a good gut? You know, does this seem fair and and reasonable in terms of um, what is appropriate for for compensation? So we will assist clients going through that process because oftentimes they're going. I have no idea what to charge. What do you you know? What do you think? And we'll take them through. Um, you know, through the rules and some of these percentages to come up with a number, but then test it against what actually happened on the estate, right? What, um, well, what did you actually do? Was it relatively easy, straightforward estate? Maybe that would grind down the fee a little bit. And, or was there complexity that is not reflected when you just look at money in and out of, of the estate or the overall size of the estate? Um, and and at the end of the day, you want to come up with something that 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 is fair and reasonable. And would you say there's a rule of thumb? I know um, I know there's a percentage out there uh, that lots of people hear five percent uh, or less um, of the estate as as a fee. Would you say that's a accurate rule of thumb for people to look at? Yeah, I mean certainly if you're going to be looking at at what trust companies are are charging, if if that's kind of the high water mark, right? I mean in terms of what a professional executor might charge for the for because they also have increased responsibility uh, as a professional executor uh, that's expected of them. Um, you know, sometimes it starts at you know four and a half, four uh, percent of the value of the estate. There is some references in the surrogate rules to you know not to exceed five percent. You know, looking at the capital amounts. Um, I think if an executor comes in and is charging 5% of the uh, value of the estate, they're probably going to get a reaction from the beneficiaries. I find sort of the, you know, put another way, if if somebody comes into me complaining about what an executor is charging and it's kind of in that 2 to 3%, kind of that mid-mark, um, assuming everything's pretty straightforward, my advice is going to be the court's probably going to approve it. Like that's not kind of out of line. So that's another sort of rule of thumb. Um, that you could use, but maybe there was some complexity and 4% is the right amount. So I think it's subjective and you want to come up with something that is defensible and makes sense in the circumstances. But yeah, as a rule of thumb, if you're coming in at 2 to 3% um, on a fairly typical estate, that shouldn't attract a lot of attention. 
right? Uh, the other thing to point out as far as sometimes what we do is the calculations and they don't actually intend to claim all that. But if you could say, well, this is what I could charge, but I'm actually going to charge something less. Now you look like you're getting a bit of a bargain, right? So it's nice to set out in your communication with the beneficiaries what you could charge, um, but you're not going to do it. So you look like you're doing a favor to the to the estate. So it, it you know, maybe is a little more sellable on that. But ultimately, you got to look at it's it's, you know, a multitude of factors. How much time did you put in? Uh, a percentage analysis may not lead to the right number. What you really want is the right number and, and what is fair and reasonable. And at the end of you start with, well, you put all this work in, like what's, you know, you may have to take time off work or some of your vacation time, um, you know, what's fair to be compensated for that and, and somebody had to do it, right? So the idea would be somebody should be paid for it and they're liable and accountable. So it's appropriate to compensate uh, them them for that. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to our next point of best practices when you're trying to claim compensation. Um, so if you're acting as an executor, it's it's so important to keep track of your time, expenses, and, uh, and the decisions that you've made along the way, um, because it's much easier to claim compensation when you can say to the beneficiaries, hey, look at all the tasks I've completed. Look at the hours I've spent, all the, the mind uh, power that, that went into this estate administration, and this is what I'm claiming. Um, if you don't have any records, I think it's much more difficult to get uh, you know, a higher fee or a more reasonable fee because there's so many questions um, left un un unsaid or unanswered. Um, and, you know, if you're keeping beneficiaries updated along the way, I think that's another positive uh, thing to consider when, you know, in the end, you know, you'll claim compensation because if beneficiaries are kept in the loop, they're more happy and more engaged in the process. Um, and then they might be more inclined to approve any any compensation you'd like to claim in the estate. Um, so keeping them up to date is is definitely a, a good practice to do. Um, and then from from the oh go ahead, Gordon. Yeah, no, sorry. Just uh, while you're on that point, that is really an important point to stress um, because I see it in my practice that people come to me disgruntled about something um, that an executor, you know, what's going on in an estate. And you know what? More times than not, it starts with, I have no idea what's going on. Like years have gone by. I've had no report. I've had no communication. Yeah. Well, if 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 you get a disgruntled beneficiary, then of course they're going to take a shot at, well, I don't think they should be paid. They did a poor job. I mean, right away you're starting about, you did something wrong. You didn't communicate, right? You're giving opportunity for them to dispute that compensation. So I think yeah, I really want to emphasize the 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 point you made because it's an excellent one to say have a good communication strategy um, and if they and and they see everything you're doing and if you're reporting well I spent this many hours this month hopefully at the end they're going to go thank you thank you thank you for doing that I could not have had the time to do it I appreciate I've seen the you know the story develop here of all the work you've done so that's a fair amount. But if they go, I have no idea what they do. Oh, I need 25,000. For what? Right? It's usually <laughs> the response. And so I, I just wanted to interject to emphasize that point. I, I see it a lot in my practice is that poor communication leads to problem. Good communication leads to things going smoothly at the end of the estate, including when as part of that, that they're asking for fair and reasonable compensation. It's less likely to end up in front of a judge. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. think one thing that testators can, could consider when they're drafting their will is whether to include a note about executor compensation yes. in their will. 
Um, so, you know, executors are able to claim compensation regardless of whether there's a clause in the will stating the compensation or not. But it could be um, a good practice if you anticipate your beneficiaries not going to agree to any compensation. Maybe you stated in your will saying you'd like your executor to, to you know, receive this much or this percentage. Yeah. Um, and I know, Gord, you and I have a little bit differing opinion on that because um, it could be uh, negative sometimes if, 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 you know, the testator indicated a set amount, let's say 5,000 or 10,000, and it's way too low for the amount of work involved. Um, so there's a sweet spot of, of when it's appropriate and yeah. uh, and also the amount to include. Um, but, you know, consider it because it could alleviate some issues down the road. I, yeah, I, I'm often not putting a compensation clause in, in the agreement unless I'm sensing that there's something there we need to deal with. And it's like, they won't take compensation. I want a clause to make sure they will. Or I think the other family members don't realize how much work it is. And I'm going to say they're entitled to this much, a percentage or an amount. Um, so I wanted right in there for protection of the executor, which is highly appropriate, right? That it's that it's in there. Part of the problem of stipulating it is if you go, well, you're only, I remember seeing one that was, well, you only get $25 an hour. And he kind of looked at it going, I can't afford to do that, right? Yeah. And and uh, so he declined. And now we had a, actually a problem. The compensation clause created a problem. Now these aren't the everyday situations. So I I, I think the message is you want to you, you certainly want to identify particularly and and deal with it if you know it's going to be a contentious issue. Um, one way or the other, you think somebody's going to claim too much? Well, ratchet it down and say no, you're going to get this or. Um, you know, I want it limited to this amount of money because it can be a hot uh, kind of a lightning rod issue. We see that all the time is that suddenly it's just somebody getting paid for something. If the expectation is you're supposed to be doing this for free. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, well, that's not what mom and dad wanted. And it's right there in the clause. That would be extremely helpful. I, it just most wills don't have it in. But that maybe goes more to the point of what we're talking about is that maybe people are just not dealing with this issue. Right. So, you know, if you deal with it up front and just address the compensation, uh, but just be careful because you may not know what's in your estate, especially in wills that are drafted years ago, you know, 20 years go by and you have a compensation. Well, that was fine 20 years ago, but that's not market today. Right. right? Or your assets change and it's not appropriate. Right? Yeah. So um, if you're going to be specific about the compensation that I think translates into making sure you keep your will up to date so it's relevant and current. It yeah. doesn't become a negative or, you know, an issue that people are going to fight about. Yeah, Absolutely. no, that's that's a great point, Gordon. And, and, you know, if the will is silent with regards to compensation, the executor, as I mentioned, can still charge compensation. So the typical process is, you know, either halfway through or near the end of the estate administration, they provide a full accounting to the beneficiaries of what's been done to date. Um, along with, you know, possible release for them to sign approving, approving the administration and also a, a compensation claim um, saying this is what I'd like to charge. And so if the beneficiaries approve that, then that's fantastic. The executor can charge the fee. Um, if they do not approve it, then the executor has the option of going to court and getting their accounts passed uh, through yes. the court process and also their compensation approved. Um, so there are different remedies for the executor when they want to claim compensation, but I think the easiest and first best solution is going to the beneficiaries. And, and if you can't get consent there, then you go to the court. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, in some circumstances, you may even want to do what professional executors do and 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 put in a compensation agreement, right? I don't see a lot of people doing it, but, you know, quite frankly, if you don't have something in the will, it doesn't mean you can't have a side agreement that is saying, well, here's what I want for compensation. And you can change that from time to time without having to update, up, update the will. Um, I don't see a lot of people doing that. I don't think it's something that people address very much and they just assume it's going to be figured out. But it can certainly be a source of um, a source of contention on on that, and most of them get approved, right? In my experience, um, but they're messy and difficult and expensive if you got to go to court. I mean, now suddenly there goes another five, ten grand in legal fees just to fight about, you know, to deal with the compensation issue, right? Yeah. Which can be avoided. So that leaves more money for the beneficiaries if you can make sure you sort that out ahead of time. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, I guess a factor of this is some of the income tax considerations, because sometimes when I say to people, oh, by the way, do you realize you have to include this in your income tax return? It's declare it as income. They seem surprised by that. But mm -hmm. while you're entitled as a matter of right to compensation, the law doesn't say you have to do it for free. Um, has to be fair and reasonable, but you got to report it. So CRA has its eyes on on this. And um, and so you do have to give yourself a T4 slip, right? The estate will give a T4 slip. And um, just a quick little reminder, um, timing of when you take the compensation is certainly important. You can't pre-take compensation. So usually it's on approval, you know, at the end of the administration of the estate when the, uh, you know, the beneficiaries have approved the compensation or the court has approved it. Um, but you got to be careful when you take it. Right, because uh, the estate will have some remittance obligations for CPP and EI. And if, oh yeah, I took compensation, you're trying to get it approved from last year. Well, you may be out of time and, and you didn't do the proper filings with CRA. So really coordinate with the accountant regarding when, I mean, legally you got to get it approved and make sure it's appropriate and, and, and the beneficiaries approve, um, but then it's not just oh i put it in my pocket it's free money and you know it's under the table it's no it's above the table it has to be has to show up and the estate is obligated to to give you a t4 slip um, so that's an implication and and one of the factors to consider when you're coming up with compensation i'll say to a client well how much do you want to end up with right or what do you think is fair and reasonable and then you got to say well but this is what you're going to claim but this is what you're going to actually end up at the end of the day having because you're going to have a tax obligation of this of this much just like any other any other income so that is a factor to go in if somebody's at a high tax bracket they go well it's not worth claiming because a chunk of it's going to get taxed away and they don't they don't want to do it or alternatively what they end up with is you know that sort of factors into what's fair and reasonable um but it there there is a tax implication to um uh, you know, it's a transaction that shows up from an income tax perspective. So you need the advice of the accountant to, to work through that and make sure you stay on site of CRA's rules for all of that. Yes, and something I'd like to add too, if, if the executor is also a beneficiary, a residual beneficiary earning a percentage of the estate, um, it might not make sense to charge a fee because you're reducing your beneficiary share and essentially taking tax-free money and, and taxing it. So. Yes. You know, if you're 50% beneficiary, maybe it doesn't make sense. Um, and that's something to consider too. 
Yeah, you weigh that in terms of you can run the spreadsheet. If I if I claim a fee, I got to pay this tax versus we just we do it this way. Um, you know that can that 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 can work out. Um, and recognizing that there's no tax on receiving an inheritance, a gift from an estate, uh, but there is for the compensation. So yeah. um, you just got to be mindful of that, and that's a factor that goes into should I claim it, should I not, right in that circumstance. But um, you know, as we've pointed out in some of our prior episodes, there's a lot of work involved, yeah. right? In being an executor, you know that because you've you've been in that role as a, you know, in a, in a former life, uh, having to do it. It's it's a lot of work, right? And we know examples of clients who've gone through that. Um, so I think compensation is important. And from a planning perspective, if you're thinking about who you're choosing, you can have a conversation about compensation, right? And then if you're picking one of your kids and you're expecting them to claim compensation, well, I would say have a conversation with the other kids going, just so you know, it's at my direction, not your sibling's direction, that sibling that 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 the compensation should be taken. So that diffuses, it's less about, well, they're trying to grab money, right? Uh, and it goes, no, this is what mom and dad wanted. So I think really for parents to take charge of that issue and, and say, well, here's what's gonna happen. Every family situation is different. I think just a, an open conversation about it is is what's important and then reflecting, how do we document that? Is it appropriate to have something in the will? Should we have a side agreement? Uh, you know, what is the implications of that? And then, uh, yeah, just recognizing um, it's it's a factor to, to consider, right? Especially if you're thinking about agreeing to be an executor. Uh, it's a conversation I have if 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 I'm if a client's asking me to be executor, going well, I'm going to charge my hourly rate. Are you okay with that? So we have a conversation about it up front. So um, and the law allows that, right? You can you can make those arrangements and those will be honored. Uh, but as with many things in estate administration, you, you got to have the talk, you got to have the communication, and come to an understanding, and and that usually diffuses the situation, and 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 then you have happy happier beneficiaries. Yeah, I think that that's a very good summary in closing. Um, you know, consider what's appropriate, talk to the right people, because it's uh, often a thankless job and not so much an honor anymore and should be compensated as such. So um, thank you, Gord. It's, it's uh, always a pleasure speaking with you and I look forward to our next episode. I do as well. Have a great day. You too.